0: It's me, (laughs) surprise, I decided to go live today on Monday the 13th because I wanted to talk about 13 a little bit. I'm trying to free myself from the constraints of the format that I'm accustomed to, the format of me doing the same thing every week, and you know what, maybe this won't be very long, maybe there won't be a lot of people watching, maybe I'll share it with people that you know like what I do while we're on the air and some people will join us i don't know but whenever this is being seen by you welcome and thanks for checking it out uh life is good right now and there's a lot of things on my mind and i think i'm starting to realize that the research that i do personally is getting lost because i just read the thing or i watch the thing and i move on to the next thing And I get into what I get into on my show, but I definitely don't cover all the stuff that I find interesting on a regular basis. Now, some of the things I find interesting are majorly inspired by the crew, the people that chat us up on the Interverse Telegram group and some other groups that I'm into, like the Weaving Spiders Welcome channel, for example. Also, who's out here? Let me know, sound off in the chat. would like to know who I'm talking to. (laughs) Maybe I'll invite you on stage. And right. So this isn't maybe going to be majorly, uh, intensely long or anything. We'll see how it goes. It's very loose. i am be shooting from the hip here. I've got, you know, a few books, (laughs) handy. I've got uh, some of them in browser windows and we're going to talk about just a couple ideas. Maybe they'll connect well, maybe they're not going to, like I said, this is super experimental for me. And I'm kind of just rambling around to see if that gives more people time to join or say hi to me in the chat. Hey, what's up? We got one, Heartline, what's up? So 13, I guess I'll just start with that, right? Uh, I've been reading, recent guest on the show, Marty Leeds. I've been reading his book, Pie in the English Alphabet. Super great. Really, really good information in there. Math magical, big time. And so I got to say hi to Heartline PK and Alicia in the chat. Thanks everybody for saying hi to me. Now, what I want to talk about is a passage from his book, a chapter, if you will, a short passage about the number thirteen, and we'll see what other things we can connect into while we're at it. <laughs> Did you know there's actually there's actually uh, triskaidekaphobia? I don't know how you say that triskaidekaphobia, right? That is a phobia. That's a fear of the number thirteen. Uh, so I'm gonna go over this chapter the unlucky number 13 from page 144 a most auspicious page in marty's book and right it's just really fun information today is the 13th mm-hmm. go ahead and post in the chat a link to that book marty's website is a treasure trove five dollars a month and you can get into all of his books there pretty amazing So. What's up with the number 13? Why is it superstitious? Why is it unlucky? Well, first of all, there's a ton of connections between the number 13 and the Templars. And it makes you wonder if some of this boogeyman stuff that they put out with the Templars is partially just to keep us concerned about the number 13. I mean, I'm not saying the Templars were good or bad. I don't know. There's definitely stories of Templars as the boogeyman. Uh, You know, they do all kinds of stuff, like kissing cat assholes and supposedly profaning things that are sacred to the church. But we weren't there. And I'm not defending, (laughs) but I'm not accepting. Definitely not accepting any of the mainstream stories. But to get into some of that, there's the night of Friday, the 13th, October 1307, when supposedly... The Templars were ordered to be arrested and murdered by the French king. Uh, So that has a whole big can of worms to it. But, right, there's the 13th sign, Ophiuchus. What's up with that? Ophiuchus is coming up a bunch lately. It seems like a perennial thing. Comes up sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, Some words that in the septenary cipher of gematria sum to 13 these are interesting lord john pope god son psalm mile nile 10 jew pagan and zero now that might be the most interesting thing to me is that zero sums to 13 septenary cipher by the way to back up that's a gematria system where you uh only count up to seven just I'll screen share so you guys can see this cipher on Marty Lee's website that you can go look at whenever you want. Okay, so this is visible now. We'll type in some of these words like zero, not equals sums to 13. Let's see if I can make it a little larger for you. And check it out. You have A through M going from one to seven and back down to one. And then the same thing, from n to z so that's two sets of 13 in our 26 letter alphabet maybe the idea of yad Vavhe vav or jehovah the 26 the name of god equaling 26 in hebrew gematria is saying that half of god would be 13 180 degrees makes you wonder about this number 13 a little more since we as beings are kind of 180 degree beings when you think about it, because perceptually, you only get half at any one time. Like it's, I mean, okay, there's some people that can kind of look within and without at the same time, but hear me out. You can only look with your eyes or close your eyes and look at the screen of your mind's eye. That's like 180 degrees and 180 degrees. You've got... Obviously, your field of vision is 180 degrees. So, if we are like Mars rovers, <laughs> biological robotic meat suits that are filled with as vessels that are filled with the light of consciousness and the source, but we only get 180 degree consciousness, then to me, that's kind of like half of, you know, God consciousness, if you will. Obviously, the idea that the creator is they're gonna kind of fly in here my god is omniscient <laughs> the idea that the creator is omniscient or all-knowing would mean that it could see or the source is aware of all things at once 360 degrees so we get half of that that could be a 13 i don't know but yeah here's some other words like lord equaling 13 interesting pope pope wants to be the lord it seems like now Let's take this down now. But I wanted to make sure and emphasize this point that half the alphabet and half the alphabet—that's two sets of thirteen. There's more mathy stuff with thirteen that I find quite interesting. And so I'll continue kind of scanning over Marty's book to see what I can pull out of it. On that, on that note, Um, and like I said, this is super unplanned. (laughs) So I'm glad you're hanging out with me. Uh, I was going to be on another show conspiracy castle but the host had to reschedule and I was all stoked and ready to go and do a live thing so I thought you know what why not why not just (laughs) go live alone which I never really do other than for divination but I lean on that as a crutch right like oh I can do that all day but getting into research topics alone oh man but it's not that big a deal I want to do more of this I want to be free from my own format chains. So here we go. Oh, and I see some really fun people on the Rockfin side. Juliet, Justin Michael. What is up, guys? (laughs) I'm sorry if there's other people live right now and I'm like interfering. Uh, (laughs) This is so unplanned. But okay. Now, we've established that the 13 is important to the cipher of our septenary concept that two halves of the 26 letter alphabet are two 13 letter halves. But what else can we get into with 13? I'm like I said, quoting from Marty's book here. So don't look at me like I'm just some sort of major genius. (laughs) I want you to look at his work and that's kind of partially why I'm doing this because I think his work is cool. Now, here's the screen share again. Let's type in 13, 13, it gives you 41 as a total well that's interesting because if 13 gives you 41 uh and you mirror <laughs> you know with a little imagination is what he says you mirror the 13 as then you put it backwards and it's three one you get three one four one which is pi so i think that's kind of cool there could be something about that another question of 13 is the zodiac besides just Ophiuchus, If there's 12 signs and they're metaphorically rotating around a center, which would be you, then aren't you the 13th point, right? So maybe you're the 13th sign. What do you know? Kara says, meteor showers tonight. I believe they're around the vicinity of Gemini, if that's correct. So watch out for that if you like to look up in the sky. There's also some major alignments. Uh, Rob B. in the chat brings up the 13-month 28-day moon cycle. That is a really, really good point. Uh, I want to now bring up the Galactic Mayan calendar. <laughs> That's a great like segue into this, a whole different timekeeping system that is very deep. There's a foundation for the Law of Time website called LawOfTime.org where you can decode your birthday in this alternative system. I want to make this image bigger, but it's not going to work. Um, (laughs) This is me coming in not very prepared. But this is a calendar based on, yeah, 13 sets of 20. And it's complicated. Like base 20 math is a whole different thing. But in the moon cycle, there is a truth to the fact that if we had 28 and a half day months, which is the actual time the moon stays in one cycle, uh, we would have 13 months instead of 12. The question of how many months we should have in a year, that's really interesting because it changes the way that our whole consciousness is designed in a rhythm sense. Really, when you think about it, the way that you divide and compartmentalize parts of something influences the way that you think about it. So maybe being in the 12 sign system is good. Maybe it's not. Maybe adding the 13th sign is a trick and we shouldn't, or maybe it's a really good idea. Um, I want to continue talking about stuff from Marty's book, The and then I have some other ideas about (laughs) Ophiuchus, the 13th sign. So hold that thought. The Metatron's cube is... Another thing that connects to 13. The reason being, I'm gonna read from the book. Metatron's cube is a two-dimensional geometric figure created from 13 equal circles. Six circles are placed in a hexagonal pattern around a central circle with six more extending out along the same radial lines. Now, what's important about what's important about Metatron's cube? Let's make this big so everyone can see it. Uh, we'll get a small picture of it. It's good enough though. Metatron's cube here on the left is a design, if you probably people already know about this, but a design that encodes all of the other basic shapes in geometry. So there's 12 around one. That's 13 circles. And the 13 circles give you every possible shape that is a congruent shape. Very interesting the platonists believe that the four elements earth air water and fire are constructed using these five polygonal shapes like it says here uh geometry is the best version of math really because it's measuring what actually exists in nature and it's not so far into conceptuality that it's lost all reason <laughs> now here's another cool thing with the metatron's cube is it Gives you a very obvious shape of this, what they call the Star of David or the Star of Rimfram. It's got a lot of baggage with it, but it's also got a lot of mystical goodness with it. And I was just talking actually on the phone to Mark Steves from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy about this very idea of the six. Because this six six pointed star here in three dimensions is... Uh, potentially related to the idea of a cube as well. I mean, the cube is encoded in it, obviously, the, the hexahedron, as you would call it. But why the cube? Why is that important? I think in our energy system or in our physicality, we're very much ruled by the six, right? There's the six of carbon. There's the six of your chakras that are actually in your body. The crown chakra is supposedly a little bit off the top of your head, not exactly in your head. At least that's where I find it when I'm doing biofield tuning work. So, in your actual physical flesh suit, there's six main chakra centers. And the solfeggio tones, like I got into this with, am I still screen sharing? Okay, cool. <laughs> We're just going to look directly at my PowerPoint. And solfeggio, which comes from the Ut Laxus or hymn to Saint John the Baptist. There are six notes: the there are Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La. And here's another chart. This chart is probably more useful. I may back up and talk about solfeggio again. But these six tones correspond to the six physical body chakras. Potentially, uh, they. <laughs> so yeah we're talking about six okay i'm just like wandering through random information i hope you don't mind i'm having fun with it uh one thing that i find fascinating about solfeggio to decode the word a little bit let's do that there's one way you would pronounce it as solfeg like in the i guess italian but solfeggio fa egg one zero that is the twilight language decode Sol and fa are the corresponding tones or notes, I guess, that relate to blue and green. And our world is blue and green. So that's interesting. And then egg is in there. You guys know I talk about eggs a lot, (laughs) cosmic eggs. And then the one and the zero, that is the base 10 system, the one and the zero, or it's the, you know, the generative principle, the masculine and the feminine. The pole in the hole, if you will. If you guys let me know in the chat things you want me to get into, topics I'll try to wander into them. This is super random <laughs> right now, so thank you for bearing with me on that. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to bring the screen share back up. Let's look at the Metatron cube again. This is all it, you know, tangential to the idea of the thirteen, of course. Now. When we're looking at the Metatron's cube that also appears like this three-dimensional star of David there's this idea of the holy 108 which I really found interesting this was something I learned new new stuff from reading Marty's book one of many things I didn't know that I learned from it that if you take the Fibonacci sequence uh which um should I back up and explain the Fibonacci sequence okay Fibonacci is like Zero, and then you add one to zero, and that becomes one. And then you add one to one, and that becomes two. And then you add, yeah, you go on. Anyway, the Fibonacci, let me find an image of it so I can just visually depict it. <laughs> Someone says, counter Counterpunch says they like my Marty McFly hat. It's like a, you know, a dragon serpent thing. I thought it's appropriate for talking about 13 and Ophiuchus, which we will get to. Okay, here we go, this is a way better way than me stumbling through numbers without backup. <laughs> Fibonacci, it is, one plus one equals two, one plus two equals three, two plus three equals five, and so on and etc. cetera. Now, if you take this Fibonacci sequence and you do uh, what is called decimal parity, reduce down by like, say, on the number 34, for example, you take the 3 and the 4, and it becomes a 7, and etc. The 2 and the 1 becomes a 3. If you do this decimal parity then and reduce down, you get a very different sequence of numbers, and we're going to get to that in a second. But just to, I guess, talk more about Fibonacci, why it is a relevant number sequence is because it approximates this thing called the golden mean ratio the golden mean ratio is found now i'm gonna have to google that more directly golden ratio in nature yeah let's look at it that way it is a mathematical aspect of nature it's what is called phi and it's encoded in many works of art it's encoded in things like seashells see here in the mona lisa the ratio is one to 1.68 or 1.618, I'm sorry. So like, I believe this side is one and this side is 618 or 0.618 decimal. This big rectangle has a length of one, this short rectangle has a length of 0.618. And then if you make another cut up here, then you get one on this side 0.618 ratio wise it's a ratio obviously it's not the same length as this bigger one and you keep making smaller rectangles and you draw a spiral through the corners of this and you get this thing called the phi spiral or the golden ratio spiral and it's something that our eyes automatically accept as beautiful and to bring this back to why i'm talking about this in context with 13 also there's 13 people watching the stream right now, that's cool. <laughs> now it's down to 11 cause I just had to block a bot, but hey, yeah, it's okay. This is encoded in all of us, PK says. That is a fact, that is a fact. If We go back to this image from, from the Marty book, if I can find it. Oh, <laughs> bad driver. Okay, so what we've got here is the sequence of Fibonacci. Oh shoot, I gotta explain Fibonacci better. <laughs> all right, so this ratio of 1.618 that I'm talking about, it is a transcendental, like pi. Phi is like pi in that sense. It goes on forever, all right? It's a seemingly random sequence of decimals that go on endlessly. And if you can recite more than three places of it, that's great. Most people just say 1.618, just like most people say pi is 3.14. Uh <laughs> Hey, it's like this in the chat. What's up, dude? You want to come on and save me from myself talking alone because I'll totally send you an invite to talk about 13 after I've gone through some of the information I've got. If you want, so you just let me know, dude. I was kind of hoping to see you. Right. Now, 1.618 Fi. When we look at Fibonacci, this sequence that we started off of numbers, if you take any of the three numbers and uh, or any of the numbers and divide it by the previous number. So the example would be like eighty-nine divided by fifty-five. It gives you one point six one eight. Or thirty-three divided by one forty-four, one point six one eight. But see, it's different every every number in the sequence. Thirteen divided by eight, one point six two five. So two divided or three divided by two is obviously going to be just one point five. That's not very pi or not very phi, but as the sequence goes on and on, uh, it gets closer and closer to the phi ratio. So the bigger the numbers get, like 377 divided by 377 divided, oh shit. 377 divided by 233 <laughs> gives you a closer approximation to phi than 13 divided by eight. Now, why this is interesting is because it seems like Uh, nature is encoding a secret here that nothing that it actually creates is this perfect golden mean ratio, like the rectangles in these geometric diagrams. All right. Nature is always approximating the golden mean. And if it gets close, then it looks really nice to us. So what I think this shows us is that We're on a path to perfection, but it's infinity. So we never really quite get there. Nature just keeps improving through the unfolding of this sequence, which is phi. And it gets more and more beautiful, more and more close to a perfect expression of the infinite. But it never quite gets there because the infinite is transcendental, like this transcendental number sequence. It goes on and on. And to bring it back to the (laughs) original topic of thirteen. Whenever you do the decimal parity method that I mentioned before, so like this 13 becomes a 4, this 21 becomes a 3, 34 becomes a 7, and you line this up, you line this up on the points, the vertex points, if you will, uh, this wheel, or you put the threes, nines, and sixes on the points of the six-sided star, you get... A really interesting number sequence and why this is interesting is because I believe the first 24 uh, numbers in the sequence of Fibonacci equal 108. And then every sequence of 24 after that, I think it's 117. Now I'm looking bad because I, <laughs> I didn't I don't have the direct info. I'm pretty sure it's 117. Um, so. What's cool about that is like literally every 24 numbers of the Fibonacci sequence through decimal parity reduction, those 24 numbers in the sequence, even though they're different numbers in each set of 24, they keep equaling the same thing, which I think is 117. So you have to just check my bro science on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the number that they keep equaling. Um. Which would make sense because 117, 117, that's a nine. And only 108, one and eight is a nine. Right. So there you have the fact that Fibonacci, which is a big, approx- nature's approximation of sort of the transcendental perfection of the infinite, creating this symmetrical, beautiful spiral, it has a built in component of cycles of 24 where it repeats again. So there we have. Maybe a connection to why we like to use or why there's a why we like to use a 24 hour clock. I was about to say why there's 24 hours in a the day. There's not. We made up what hours are. <laughs> but anyway, this is all encoded on the Metatrons cube, uh, which is a 13 or' is 12 circles around one. So that's pretty cool. The four elements, Earth, air, water and fire being a part of this. I think is a really useful. <laughs> supposedly, all this is occurring from a big bang. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know about the big bang. I don't know about that. Slick. I'll uh, I'll link you in. You know what? You just hold tight. I'm gonna go over a couple more things, and then I'll I'll bring you in here, buddy. And since you're listening, you won't miss out. All right. Earth, air. Wind and fire, by the way, something I like to tell people to stay in flow state. Watch your four elements. What balance are they in? You know, are you getting enough air? Are you doing the diaphragmatic breathing deep in the lower stomach and not just your upper chest, shallow breathing? Obviously, water, you know, we need to hydrate, duh. And earth, I looked at as rest and grounding, physically, electrically grounding. But something I learned today that I should have realized is that our Minerals in our body are the fire element. So if you're not getting the minerals right, if you're not, like seriously, sodium is flammable. Magnesium is flammable. These salts that are part of our makeup that are necessary in our food, they're hella flammable. So what do you think it means that the powers that should not be have set us up with this horrible type of agriculture where, you know, the food is all depleted of the minerals completely. Do you think there's a connection to that de-spiritualizing humanity? I think so, I think so. Because fire is the will and it's spirit So of the elements. So just think about that. If you know, you're on the fence about whether or not you wanna supplement with at least the basics, <laughs> like the vitamin C, like the magnesium, realize that at least on the salts level, that's actually your fire. That's your yang energy. That's your ah, masculine get shit done energy. I mean, magnesium is literally necessary for thousands of things in your body, including your relaxing of your grip, (laughs) relaxing of muscles, muscle tension. So Melissa says, I want to start reducing aluminum and skin contact, which can affect the aura. That's an interesting question that I don't know about, but one thing that's on my wish list of stuff to be able to do in the future is curlian photography. I'm very interested in aura photography. So if anyone is already experienced and adept with that and wants to talk to me about it, I'd love to. Otherwise, I'll just be doing my own research as I can. So, you know what? Because I talked about <laughs> the minerals, I'm just going to hit you with the link to Clive DeCarl real quick in the chat feeds here. And I'm sorry if you guys said stuff on the Rockfin chat. I've not been looking at it because I've only got two monitors. But that's a link to Clive DeCarl's supplement store. I do have an affiliate link with him. So if you buy stuff with that, I will get a kickback and it costs you nothing extra. I recommend vitamin C, magnesium, fulvic minerals. He gives all the good stuff. You can listen to him on many epic podcasts to learn about why these things are so relevant and important to our health. He was just on tonight odin's alchemy with benjamin balderson so i would highly recommend that i'm actually gonna link that too because give me a minute give me a minute yeah odin's alchemy cool here it is i'm gonna link the clive de carl episode not just because i put these two guys in touch with each other and i love them both but also because the health information is key you're not going to have much flow state if your health is all out of whack. Okay, so where were we before all those diversions? (laughs) That's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be with this one. Kind of all over the place. Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh. Man. Merkabas, though. That's another thing that's associated with this 13-geometrical symbol of the Metatron's cube, your Merkaba, which is like your light body, they say, your light ship. And now oh, this already makes me, I have some stuff I wanted to talk about from Pierre Sabak. Pierre Sabak wrote Holographic Culture and the Murder of Reality. and He gets into some super deep stuff with flying saucers, what he calls the scaphological tradition relating to angelic sailors and the Ophanim wheels. Ophanem, by the way, sounds a lot like Ophiuchus. So we're going to talk about that. But one of the words that he uses or that he uh, he explores is malak. Malaka. And that sounds very similar to Merkaba. Uh, and there's also many, many examples of phonetic switch from L to R or R to L. So this word malak or malaka is A word related to open them wheels or to flying saucers or to light ships so i wonder if we're meant to decode through the language that what we see as lights in the sky could some i'm not saying all the time but could sometimes be actual light body vessels of beings that have you know gone higher up the transcendental number (laughs) scale for closer to the infinite closer to the ultimate truth never-ending stairs sure but going going higher literally being able to fly in an energy body a light body a merkaba there's a lot to that actually on the conversation i had with with benjamin balderson on his odin's alchemy channel we talked about that so maybe i'll just show some (laughs) some slides here some slides why not right so Here's your, like, classic New Age image of a Merkaba, right? Having to do with this six-sided star. It's meant to be representative of the alchemical marriage, really. The bringing together of the inner divine masculine and inner divine feminine or sacred masculine, divine feminine, whatever. Being the bridge between heaven and earth, activating... Your ability to exist all across the whole spectrum and frequency of heaven and earth at the same time. You know, maybe heaven is the ether and earth is the matter, and bringing those into alignment lets you exist anywhere on the ether that you want. Just possibilities. I mean, I'm still, I'm definitely still learning, (laughs) still expanding. Here's another really good slide there's a bunch of old Renaissance art. Or what we call the renaissance what if that is your real name depicting these light chips potentially this one's a really good one and okay there's <laughs> i can't help it this slide does have placentas in it babies in the placenta and that's a whole nother bow to draw we're, we're not going to do that but if you were curious about that go see me talking to ben Balderson on odin's alchemy Uh, Suzanne made a cool mention here of the cell salts or what sometimes people call tissue salts or Schuster salts saying that we need the tissue salts, which is your fire for the month of the birth and the following two months that, uh, basically the, the time you weren't in your mother's womb of the year of the 12 months, those three ish months. You're supposedly having some deficiency in your tissues, your cellular salt tissues. Very interesting concept. I think there's something to it. I actually haven't had an ability really to take the cell salts properly because I keep running into the problem of them having dairy in it and I avoid dairy for allergic reasons. So at some point I'm going to experiment and see if that really helps me or not. Or maybe I'm doing a good job getting it from my food. I don't know. But anyway, Metatron. To go back to this Metatron's cube, Um, It's something the Merkaba is something that's coming up in the book of Enoch. First of all, Enoch is a relative of Noah, supposedly, and supposedly he transformed into the angel Metatron. Interestingly, this is from Marty's book again. The title of Enoch was The Lesser Yahweh or YHWH in a lesser. If you will, of the of you know, maybe that's the half. <laughs> if the name of God, YHVH, or Yadhe Vavhe, is 26, then the lesser is maybe 13. And that's why we get the 13 spheres in the Metatron's cube, that thing. Oh my God. Could be. Could be. Very interesting idea. Um, now. <laughs> There's more stuff. I, I don't want to just do all of the things from this chapter. I want you guys to check it out, but I'm going to read. I'm just going to read. In looking back at the lunar calendar encoded in Stonehenge and the added multiplication of Yakin and Boaz, we found the number 364, which constitutes a perfect calendar of 13 months with 28 days each. So what I'm bringing up this 364-day calendar for is because it's got 13 months and 28 days each. That calendar is also in the deck of cards because there are 13 cards per suit, and that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. In the in the standard playing cards, there's actually a 14th in the tarot. So I wonder what the deal is with that. If that has to do with a transcendental thing, we'll talk about why that might be. Um, uh oh. <laughs> Oh, I thought I had another page about the 13 ready to go. Hold on a second. I know I'm making this really entertaining. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll just call Gabriel up. I'm feeling like I've just jibber-jabbered solo long enough. So hold up. We're going to bring Gabe in, and then I will shoot more ideas at him with him as a sounding board, because that sounds fun. This is all... Totally spontaneous. So the magic is truly live this time with no pre-pro- pre-production preparation whatsoever. Buddy, check your telegram for the StreamYard call link. Oh, yeah. Jenny B says, 12 disciples of Jesus. Would Jesus be in the 13? Of course. Big time. Big time. Yeah, one of the things I want to talk about when Gabe jumps in is Ophiuchus, because I know he's got a lot of thoughts on that lately. Yeah. Here he is. Prompt. Prompt, my friend. What's up, dude?
1: Hey, my brother. Good to see you. Sounded good. Okay, good, good, good. So, yeah, man, this is so funny. You saw Snake's comment this morning that he was stuck on a, the number 13 last night.
0: <laughs> I did see that, yeah, in our Snake Jones in our Telegram group. And yeah. I probably would have mined a lot more good information about what we're talking about if I read our Telegram chats closely today. But I was doing so much today. I kind of just skim sometimes. It's my own group. I feel like I need to read everything, but it's not always possible.
1: That was a fun one. That was a real fun one. Yeah. It's so funny how we all get on the same wavelength and it's like, we all go do our own little research and then we get back and then we get together and compare notes and launch to the next level.
0: Yeah. What, what do you got on your mind right now? I want to talk Ophiuchus, the 13th sign. Um, Yeah. So do you want to start there? Do you have something else you're thinking
1: about? Well, no, uh, this is a, this this could just go and go forever, but yeah, let's 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 really focus on the ofi, focus on the Ophiuchus.
0: Um, we can hold that thought, and if you have other things in the numerics or or other thirteen stuff, go for it. I actually <laughs> there was a specific page I wanted to get into uh-huh. from Marty's book that I totally lost track of, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna scan for it a little bit while we're talking. All and right, I'll let you know if we get to it. So anyway, you. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been thinking about during this whole conversation, this one way conversation so
1: far? <laughs> well, it, it, it feels like a continuation from, you know, some of our thoughts from the past month. You know, we just went through the Ophiuchus sign, we just transitioned over it. And it occurs, the beginning, the initiation point is November 22nd, which is the day of JFK passing away. C.S. Lewis, Aldous Huxley, all on the same day, right at the gateway of Ophiuchus's domain. And so the significance of it, I think, is is absolutely underappreciated. And I think it's, you know, we're in the quickening and the knowledge is washing over us the more we, we look at it and pay attention. Uh, and I'll just kind of bring everybody up to speed if anybody hasn't seen it, but uh, I got in touch with Michael Wan uh, about a week or so ago, and he and I, we... That's uh, I...
0: Your Handbook to the Apocalypse, episode 12.
1: You got it. Episode 12. You can find that
0: on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy or Susquehanna Alchemy podcast feeds. I will look up a link nice. while you're talking about that.
1: Thank um, you. Nice. And
0: just yeah. to give people a little more Ophiuchus context before you continue, mm-hmm. I wanted to find an image where it looks like he's stepping out of the Zodiac, where his back is facing us. It's not usually what you see now. And I sometimes wonder if, like, is that imagery being deprioritized in the image search? Because just a week ago when I Googled Ophiuchus, I got tons of that. And now I'm seeing only images of him facing us. I just found one. So I wonder, like, are they just editing Google search results on the fly based on what we talk about? I mean, that sounds paranoid, but uh, I wouldn't put it past anything.
1: We've seen it before. We saw it with Joachim and Boaz. They're trying to change it to S and B instead of J and B because we're on to the J-A-B and its significance with the gates. But uh, That is too weird. Yeah. That is too weird.
0: Within a, Within a few days, all the Google image search results of – the masonic two pillars the j turned into an s all of a sudden my whole life it's been j and b no are we being mandela affected through technology where it's a fake mandela effect it kind of looks like it but here's ophiuchus it's the serpent bearer and Mm -hmm. i'll I'll try to find another image that's a little bigger uh after this where we can see it in context with the other zodiac signs because like we're really close to it right now with the sun and sagittarius too.
1: Right. Right. So so some of the subject matter that I was trying to put forward with Mike, and we got a little off subject, off topic, and went down some other rabbit holes, but I think they're all very parallel and significant, is I've been quite convinced for a while that Ophiuchus, uh represents um, the Baphomet. And some of that is substantiated in Tracy Twyman's book on uh, the Baphomet and the temple Templar Mystery Revealed, Um, you know, there's a whole chapter about that in her book. Uh, So, you know, all credit to where credit is due with that. But uh, that morning, before I talked to Michael Wan, it occurred to me how much the actual physical constellation, the arrangement of the stars that make up Ophiuchus, how similar it is to the Susquehanna River. and Uh, Also, the Baphomet has one set of fingers pointing at a black crescent moon, the other set of fingers pointing at a clear or white crescent moon. And on the Susquehanna River, there are the Herkimer diamonds and the anthracite coal. And I think there is a powerful correspondence with that uh, above and below in the two branches of the Susquehanna River uh, well, indicate.
0: Yeah, what is on? What, what's on the? What constellations on the other side of Serpens and Serpentarius?
1: Hercules, Herkimer. You got it, brother. Yes, and then, then, oh, I love it. I love it. Yes, yeah, and uh, and so yeah, and then uh, just to kind of bring it all up to speed is that the templars were obsessed with the number 13. Uh, it's a, it was a big deal for them. And so I definitely see this, uh, Ophiuchus, the, the Hercules, uh, in their fixation with this, uh, number one, three, and then even three, one, three, one came up in hellier. If you remember, it's a very significant new number for the, uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, they, they're they pretty fixated on the 31. So that's really? just the, yeah, so that's some of the cliff notes from the past. And now we, you know, we can kind of build on that for sure, because uh, I do, I'm, I'm still very convinced that what Michael Wan has brought forward with the Susquehanna relates to John the Baptist and baptism as it relates to initiation and the firsts and the new beginnings. Um, and
0: I brought up the idea of Ophiuchus facing away from the zodiac because you mentioned right. all those like deaths and assassinations. Are they, you know, are they being kicked out of heaven metaphorically? Is that part of it?
1: Right. Or like, yeah, or even stepping off of the stage, removing themselves from the stage? Also, the term scapegoat—they're being scapegoated—and Baphomet has the goat head, and uh, Ophiuchus is often um, is kind of he's as a form of remedy, he's removing himself from the 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 zodiac. He's stepping off of the zodiac, walking away from. And so uh, he is very much embodying uh, Judas, who was the scapegoat. And um, uh, often Judas is in art. You'll see Judas of Iscariot sometimes has one foot up and one foot down, as he's sometimes stepping up on a uh, pair of steps. But that is also embodying the myth of Hmm. uh, Orpheus, where Orpheus is coming out of the underworld, uh, uh, leaving the underworld, and he's just on his last step when he has that moment of hesitation and he looks back and he loses his, uh, his sweetheart and she disappears back into the underworld in that tragic moment. And check this out, Chance. This, this has been on my mind, too. Think of, J- of Jackie Kennedy. When JFK got blasted, she's crawling off of the car and she has a moment of hesitation and she turns back and tries to reach for him, but he's gone and she has to give him up and jump on the rescue vehicle and leave him. And that was a reenactment of the Orpheus myth with a gender swap.
0: Wow. I've never thought about that before. They do other things with Jackie Kennedy to kind of like make her even symbolize uh, the sun or connect to the sun. And he he is sort of a solar King figure, but maybe, maybe that's part of the ritual was, uh, and it's been a while since I looked at King kill 33 and the other Shelby Downard stuff that gets into the ritualism of the, the Kennedy assassination symbolism. But yes, there were some specific moments in there. That's an interesting book. And I haven't thought about that before yeah. to connect the Orphic myth to that ritual. But it's always a repeat of these mythological motifs like over and over again. Even the Orphic there's even what's called the Orphic egg in symbolism. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And we were just talking about Selfeggio, the scaled egg, and that connects to the St. John the Baptist Templar mysteries big
1: time. Big time. So it- the
0: that so the egg is connected to Orpheus Orpheus as well, and that word Orphic or Orpheus is not very far away from ophanim, which right. is uh, I want to read from Sabak at some point and talk about that. Now M is the 13th letter of the alphabet. <laughs> We've talked oh, about that go. a bunch. The yep. M pyre is you got it. a thing, but M is also Suzanne is pointing out mother or matter. And really not only has the feminine been demonized and been blamed for the fall and all this, that, and the other thing, but matter, 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 mother, matter itself is looked at as the, you know, (laughs) the, the downside of spirit and matter when really Mm -hmm. there you can look at, you can unify the two within yourself and realize your matter is spiritual and your spirit is material <laughs> and we yes. don't really need that. So that is interesting. I haven't thought about him representing the mother as part of why the 13 is getting demonized. And then Orpheus is very similar to the word orphan. And there's another mystery and rabbit hole orphan. Mm-hmm. How many of our great grandparents or great, great grandparents are orphans and what's up with the orphan trains throughout the, accepted history yes. conversation or the mud flood conversation big time yeah link too we can basically we're looking i'm starting to think of stephanie's comment here made me think 13 is it the missing link and to talk about a little bit more of stuff from marty leeds work on the pie in the English alphabet or pie in the English language, I guess, volume one, which I linked in the chat, but I can link again, just martyleads33.com people. Yeah. Um, he was talking about in this chapter called the garden of even, he brought up something that I've heard you mention before, Adam, autumn. Adam is odd, Eve, even. So like <laughs> Adam is zero one, Eve is one zero. And they're both actually one if you drop the O or the egg. <laughs> the, you know, the, the odd and the even become equal in a way. They're reflections of each other.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: that is a totally different way of considering math, first of all. Because the zero before the one and the one, the, the zero after the one for zero, one versus one, zero, one and ten, the zero is nothingness. Uh, <laughs> it's, so you're not really taking anything away from it or adding anything to it. So really, I mean, this is just a basic concept of Gematria that one and one are, or that one and 10 are the same thing. Uh, there's an 11 concept there too, the duality of reflection, really. Yes. Looking at them as reflections. And it doesn't mean that biologically gender is equivalent. Of course, we don't want to go there. That's kind of going full retard because we need the we need the reflection for the generative principle. But uh, to go in this chapter, he talks about the multiplication of the numbers one through ten by the number nine, and how this has a really cool reflection pattern. Uh, bring this up on screen because it's worth looking at. There's a little chart in here, so. One times nine gives you nine, but nine times 10 gives you 90. And 10 and one are similar here. Nine times nine is 81. Two times nine is 18. So do you see the mirroring? Nine times eight is 72. Three times nine is 27. So we have this mirroring in the two halves of the number line when multiplied by the nine. Uh, And of course, in in Gematria, it's often even said to just drop nines out (laughs) because. If you're adding nine to anything, it's going to make a number that could be reduced down to a single digit because adding anything to nine will give you at least two digits. So you can always just drop the nine out of gematria, like five plus nine instead of multiplying is 14, which reduces one plus four to five. So the nine is basically irrelevant. You can drop the nine out of it. Very interesting. But here I want to read this passage because this is where we get to 13. He says, if we walk up the number line out of our digits 1 through 10 and to the numbers 11, 12, and 13, we find this mirroring continues if we square these three numbers and their mirrors. So let's bring up a calculator and just experiment with what he's saying. 11 times 11 is 121. So that's uh, a Yes. That's a 12 times 12, 144. But twenty one times times twenty-one is four four one. So the mirrors, the mirrors mirror each other. 12 times 12, 144. 21 times 21, 441. 13 times 13 is 169. And 31 times 31 is 961. But here is the missing link that connects to 13. 14 times 14, 196, but 41 times, I'm sorry, messed that up, 41, messed that up too, 41 times 41 is 1681. So just to back up, 14 times 14, 196, 41 times 41, 1681. So this magical mirroring that occurs stops after 13. So there's something about 13 that's a a type of completion in terms of symmetry and the divine masculine, divine feminine concept. And I I mean, there's probably more to puzzle out about this, but this was something that I found very, very interesting that I did not know about number magic, thanks to Marty's book.
1: And you know, I think, once, don't say, trece, catorce, Okay, it's it's fourteen is the last in Latin. Fourteen is the last number that is uh, does not have a deas added to the phrase. So it, you know, in English, we go up to twelve, and then we start saying teen. So it's thirteen is the first teen. Because twelve doesn't have a teen on the end, so thirteen is the end of that pattern. But in Latin, it's actually—I uh, think—fifteen is the part where we start adding, uh, where we change the phraseology of the teen system. Hmm. That's, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, and then fourteen is uh, a. Isn't that the key?
0: In English, though, so we need some people that are linguists, or maybe I should just Google it to mm-hmm. so back up what you're saying you're saying that after 13 the n- way that it's named takes the 10 out of it in terms right. of the word right but in english we have specific num like words for 11 and 12 and the teen system doesn't kick in until 13 so it's almost right. like they're kicking 13 across
1: to the other side right we're in the liminal space here now and- another
0: part of 13 is Between 13 and 14, you have a 3.14,
1: a pi. You got it. You got it, yep. So M and N are the centerpiece of, well, technically M is the centerpiece of the alphabet. It's the middle of the 26. So we are in the liminal space. And just a quick footnote is, you know, Aleister Crowley, that's an A, C, that's a 1 and a 3. You know, these occultists are obsessed with the 13. And they know about the magic, the M-agic of the number 13. Yeah.
0: Okay. And I'm thinking in, AC is alternating current versus, you know, direct current.
1: Idea. Nice. Here's nice. An interesting.
0: Yeah. Kazi 108 in the chat says, in Bengali 13 is tarot. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> T-E-R-O is what he says. That is something. Tarot 13. uh, Bengali. don't know much about that language, but dude epic share right there
1: that's a great one wow so uh also something that you know we've gone on before about uh mk ultra the word m so the word mk ultra is almost a perfect anagram it's one letter off and that letter is only one uh only one away from but the phrase malkuth the uh, the shell of the separoth, Malkuth and MK Ultra are almost the same letters rearranged, and I do believe that you know MK Ultra uh, mind control programming has to do with rem- removing our sovereignty. I think the word Malkuth means kingdom, and we are losing a, a crown of sorts. We're losing our crown. We're having our thinking rearranged with MK Ultra programming, and so our uh, our connection to the realm is being scrambled. And I also I really do believe that MK Ultra is very dependent on um, not just circumcision. I think circumcision is one of the most fundamental forms of mind control that are used most commonly so common that it's just accepted and you know people just change the subject and move along but other forms of mind control uh, take circumcision to the next level you could say you know castration um hysterectomies are known forms of you know really claiming another person's Generative power, and putting them in in between space. Because now they're neither male or female; they are stuck in between, and there is that liminal space again, where uh, they they're almost the door is can never be shut, or it's perpetually left open to be a vessel to receive information and uh, to be a conduit you could say.
0: Man, I had a thought today.
1: Uh-huh. When we talk,
0: okay. So the circumcision, you could look at that as almost um, a light version of the idea of sacrificing the firstborn male. Right. And there's one thing that's in this book quite a bit is all the linguistic symbolism pertaining to the sacrifice of the firstborn male. And yeah, it's also like the lamb, right? The sacrificial lamb, which is Aries, the first sign, the firstborn.
1: There's a lot there.
0: But I was thinking today, I know that we connect everything to placenta. (laughs) Is that not the firstborn that is sacrificed? When the Hebrews sacrificed to Malach and they caused their firstborn to be passed through the fire, Maybe this is a secret encoding of just like, okay, I get that we're told all this stuff about who did what and sacrifices and and maybe there's archaeological evidence of this and that. I'm not saying it never existed, but. Yo, can you really imagine people that are like, this is a good idea. I'll take my baby and throw it into the fire, but then like the rest of life, they're normal enough that they can get by (laughs) Or that there's not just like immediate karmic lightning bolts from from spirit that just knock them out. Because I look around in my life and I see when people act a fool, way less terrible than literally sacrificing a child, they don't usually get, they usually don't get super far in life. Now, I won't go into the touchy subject of other ways that infant sacrifice are carried out. Um, you know, <laughs> I won't say that one way is better than another, ways that are legalized with right, the uh, Bureau Bureau of Land Management. I mean Planned Parenthood.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: land management is the land, like we're the land. That's who's being uh yep. anyway. Enrique says it was the Moabites who sacrificed their children, not the Hebrews. Thank you for that uh nuance. But anyway, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but there could be something about that referring to placenta just because that's the firstborn, born and right. you know, maybe they cooked it before they did their placenta I don't know, but that yeah, could, could be, and when I look at scripture, I'm not saying one answer. There shouldn't be one answer. I think there's like mm-hmm. a bunch of possibilities. So that's maybe in the mix with the, uh, the idea of child sacrifice. And I bring up, I bring up Malak because that word is phonetically super similar to malak, which is a Hebrew word referring to an angelic sailor, um, one from a boat from the sky, people from the sky boat. So malak, malak, all these words, even similar to merkaba. Yes, I think, because there's an L to R phonetic switch that happens in language, especially yes. in like con- linguistic concealments. Now another thing that's interesting just to like bring this back to the uh, BLM that I just brought up BLM numerically mm. is is the same at least in like the ordinal cipher BLM is the same as MLK the, sorry the full reduction cipher because the B and the K are both twos the K is right. 11 the B is 2 so yep. MLK, other than being the the consonants that you need to spell phonetically to spell Moloch, is also related to civil rights with the Martin Luther King character, or I shouldn't say character, but you know, he's a folk character. There's a mm-hmm. mythos of him that's beyond whatever the real man was. And then BLM, we were shown that all last year you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and how that was just veiled communism, not it's like really thinly veiled communism. And I'm obviously I think equal opportunity is a thing. I don't know why I have to give that disclaimer. We should have, we're all equal in our value under source, right? That's a fact, but. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there's just like some interesting linguistic
1: connections there. I'll yeah. stop there and kick it over to you right on yeah i got it i got it yeah you set up a lot for me there so luck mal luck i want to talk about like lux the light and the concept of louche and i did a quick video on this and I, so many of my videos i go look back at them and i'm like oh i forgot this and i forgot that and i could have said so much more you know um but i want to point out that one I try to summarize this concept of louche and how to expediate it, how to get it across in the most efficient, concise form, uh, because it even relates to like luchadors. They're, you know, they're they're wrestlers, they're strugglers, and I think a good way to convey it quickly and concisely is reprioritizing and uh by sacrificing your first child you're you're uh you're giving up your first priority and now you all the rest of your children have all that you know they they take that uh you're settling for the second best and you're giving the principle to the you know to a deity figure and so the word light well let's look at comment from melissa real quick Three digit uh-huh.
0: names like MLK reads like a stock exchange name. Even after death, created entities can get fed because of the fame of a name or idea or persona. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fact. I think that's part of what's happening here is that through like these, there's egregoric forces operating through humanity. Yes. <laughs> Influencing humanity. I don't think humanity is doing all this to itself necessarily. So, anyway, this yep. connects to Luce. Continue.
1: Yeah. LK, that luck, light, loosh, lux, you know, let there be light, the first words in the Bible. And I want to point out real quick, so Ab- uh, Abel, the first son, Abel, he was a, um, a herdsman. And so he had fl- a flock of, of goats or sheep, whichever, uh, and they trespassed on Cain's uh, soil because Cain was the king. Uh, a gardener or uh, agriculturalist and so then cain kills abel and in some myths this is particularly a mormon masonic mormon but uh cain keeps the skin of the goat or the I, i'm not sure if it's a goat or a sheep but he keeps that skin and he carries it forward he keeps it he is his brother's keeper now, he's the keeper of that, uh, the sign of that transgression. I think it's a lamb. And so that is where the Masonic apron comes from. They, they make an apron. They make the bulletproof sacred underwear. All of that is, it's white. And it's a mantle that they uh, carry forward in commemoration of their rites of passage. But I just want to point out the word lab coat is missing the M. It's a lamb, a l a m b coat, and so even wearing a white the 13, lab coat—that's
0: M—is skipped. The thirteen is concealed by the priesthood in their lab coats, instead, which we would normally have just called robes, I guess, back in the day, because they got, got a it. uniform. I mean, it's a cult; they got a uniform. Oh, yes, sir. speaking of cults, I'm talking to David Whitehead tomorrow about cult of the medics. So watch ooh, out for ooh, that. People I plan on doing it live. So, I mean, I just really am into live lately.
1: Yep. That and there's, that, <laughs> there's that M on the medics.
0: Oh, the med, the med. Yeah, you said there's that M on the medics. Is that right?
1: Yep. Mental, mind control, MK Ultra. They love the M. It's obscene. It's just absurd when you think about it. How how much how it proliferated that is, and just a quick point. I want to just put this in. I mentioned it in the chat, but you were talking about thirteen month, twenty eight day months, and thirteen cycles of that gives you three six four. Well, that is the .dot com. C o m is three six four. So even in the, even in .dot com, you are uh bringing forth the harmonic frequency of that 13 in a big way
0: yeah and in that space of 364 day years isn't the isn't there like a a zero day a skipped day it's not on a, day, a
1: calendar somehow a day out of time it's not a month it's not a monday it's not a tuesday it doesn't have a day of the week it's a day outside of time In the Mayan system, and there's an M with the Mayans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one, the Mayans. Oh, man. Uh, Where do we go from here, buddy?
1: There's so much.
0: (laughs) Where do we go that we can talk about 13 some more?
1: Okay. Yeah. You know, um oh, Ophanum. That's what it was. I wanted to read about
0: the, I wanted to just talk about, since we're discussing Ophiuchus, let me. Yeah. I just totally left the page I was on, but the, I wanted to define Ophanum from Pierre Sabak's glossary here. So almost <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. All right. The Ophanim, which is a word meaning wheels, are found throughout biblical and apocryphal literature and are depicted as angelic carriers. Illuminated vehicles which are utilized to transport the gods into heaven. Appearing in arcane symbolism, the ophanim wheels are synonymous with the Elohim and their hosts. Linguistically, the plural noun ophanim is from the Aramaic root ofan, which is a wheel. Cognate cognate, the noun ophan is relative to the verbal stem afan which means to turn around and Ophir from the unused root word to shine. So here we have a connection between wheel and shine. Ophir, Ophan. Elliptical, the Ophanim are portrayed as spinning, shining wheels, terminology discursive of a godly chariot. Morphologically, the description of Ophan, a wheel, resembles the Arabic etymology afa, afa, A-F, apostrophe A, -A, afa, which is a viper. The Hebrew word afor, which is gray. Redolent, the definitions are identified in occult symbology with the seraphim or the jinn. The old Semitic jinn, a serpent or worm, serpent, ophiuchus, entities associated with circular vessels, a comparison detailed in the following list. So he gives four languages here, and there's more, where this convergent symbolism exists. In Arabic and in Hebrew, uh, you have, so in Arabic you have ofan, which is a wheel, and in Hebrew you have afa and afor, which is viper or gray. Grays? (laughs) And then also a Hebrew-Arabic, Connection. In Hebrew, you have galgal, which is wheel, another word for wheel. And in Arabic, you have gul, which is a jinn. So galgal and gul, very similar phonetically, wheel and jinn. In Arabic, you have rekeb, which is a chariot. And in Semitic, you have keb, which is a serpent. In English, you have flying saucer and you have soros saucer soros soros is a lizard actually and that goes to greek too and that's just a few that's just a few (laughs) oh hey nice call snake jones worm equals doubt the worm in the sky is doubt so that's something cliff high was talking about today that the worm that flies at night is doubt and yeah doubt is the (laughs) the death of every system so If we doubt the importance of 13 or we doubt, you know, and we're in this 12 thing, skipping 13, maybe that's part of throwing off part of our system. Who knows? But Mm -hmm. to go a little further with this opening, deconstruction of this table, I just explained, demonstrates that the jinn, otherwise a lizard or serpent, are paired with flying wheels, a description correspondent with a flying saucer. From an erotological perspective, the noun ofan, a wheel, can be construed to be a phonetic pun on the Arabic noun afa, a viper. Hebrew, afor, gray. Uniform, the juxtaposition between ofanim, wheels, and the reptile is replicated, reptile, replicate, in urban mythology as a gray alien. Gray aliens, by the way, I'll add, are often depicted or described as being robotic or similar to each other, seeming like not organic or replicated beings. Interesting. Makes me also think of Agent Smith in The Matrix wanting to replicate himself on everything. This is part of what the fear side of the the vibration spectrum does, is it tries to condense and conform everything to itself, to the one outcome, (laughs) instead of multiple possibilities. Anyway... Mm -hmm. Historically, a little more about Ophanim that's relevant. Historically, the Ophanim wheels are represented as shields, saucers, or baskets, and are identified with vessels, boats, and chariots. I want to break in here, too. This is why the coat of arms for these families that are theoretically of the naval or the noble class, naval meaning from a boat, are construed on shields. Coats of arms go on the shields. And the symbolism is on their shields. Also, I feel like it's relevant to point out how many stories of Messiah-type figures are put in baskets floating down a river and symbolism along those lines. Very important symbolism. And the sky is the ocean as well and the as above, so below. And the old conception of things, and I think we're coming around to a new conception of things, that, yeah, we've got... (laughs) I just saw wisdom traders in the chat. What's up, Davey? What's up? He does a theme music that we play in between segments, the really dope music. Man, that guy. He's a good friend. Okay. So um, I've gone, I've got one little bit left in this paragraph in modern parlance, the open are equivalent to a flying saucer cross-cultural. The insignia of the circle wheel or cog is ancient and is displayed throughout religious encodings. Think uh, how a cog is similar to a wheel that steers a boat. And think about the Rotary Club.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> their
0: logo. So classified, the ophanum wheels are correlated with the worship of deities and the development of religion, a teaching elaborated within the scaphological tradition and the saucer cults. Scapological tradition is the study of these uh, boats in the sky. So anyway, we, we've definitely got ourselves into ophiuchus 13th sign territory by talking about the shining serpent vessels in the sky
1: big time yep yep uh, you mentioned baskets and we'll just kind of get this out of the way real quick <laughs> it always comes around to the placenta but on uh, in latin the word for basket is cesta. And anybody who's into sovereignty should know about the Sesta K V. And also separate by, separate but similar is the Sesta K trust. And that word Sesta literally translates either whether you do it in Latin or Italian, it translates to basket. And I interpret that as the um the placenta or the craft, the vehicle that you uh, came into this world writing on. And just for review, we always... I mean, it's like we got to break these hanging chads from previous conversations, but Ferris wheel. We've often talked about how f- Ferris, in reverse, is Seraph, And it is a wheel full of baskets.
0: And it Lights. shines. They light up, dude. Yeah, man. Yep. And Definitely. serif means shining one and also reptilian angel thing
1: (laughs) yes and we've talked about
0: we just talked about afa is a hebrew word for a serpent seraph and afa are very connected or effa
1: right right and we've mentioned before uh firearms is an anagram for seraphim and think of the on a six shooter it's a wheel
0: yeah and there's a flash part of this at this uh Shine also correlates to flashing of light nice. as well. Flash yeah. is an important part. Yeah. Like like in Greek, uh Dracon, D-R-A-K-O-N, it refers to watching or observing and also flashing. So that gives us our word dracus or draco, where we get dragon. Nice. And yeah. being that it's a I believe that the word also has connections in in the Greek too that pun with. The idea of like snatching or stealing,
1: because mm. the,
0: the this dracon is a soros, which is a a snatcher, a stealer, a reptile. In Latin, the root we get the same word as, uh, you know, rept, rep, and it's not just replicate, but it's also repare or rape, yep. to yes, forcibly steal or take something. Yep. So. When you take something, do you put maybe you put it in a vessel? <laughs> maybe you put it in a basket. Maybe you put it on a
1: boat and take it yes. away. I don't know. Well, even the word "court." Court it means cut in Latin, but it also involves like r- taking your blood. <laughs> you know, the um, a court of blood. And I just uh, these are like previous realizations you and I have had, but just for the audience' sake, the. Uh, word tarot cards in reverse, this was a realization we had quite a while ago um, in reverse, the word tarot card is drac to rat and when you look on a Chinese zodiac, Draco the or the dragon sign is in Aries and the rat is down at the end of Sagittarius and so that's nine months uh, going from Aries to uh, the end of Sagittarius, leaving a remaining three months um, of the year of the full cycle, and those three months are stolen. They're raped. Your the placenta is pulled away from you. The, the your clothing is removed, and you're put into that cesta, the basket, K trust. Um, and also, I think Micah Dank pointed out that Draco, the actual the actual dragon constellation, runs not the not the nine month around the wheel, but the shorter distance between the two. It goes from the end of Sag onto Aries, so it takes up that one fourth of the uh, of the zodiac wheel. Oh, you, I don't hear you. Oh, you didn't. Okay, here's a, another screenshot image.
0: Yeah. Senta Tree of Life, but also the silver cord, umbilical cord, uh, light body. Okay, so the silver cord is the idea of the thing that you stay connected to your body through while you travel astrally in your spiritual body, or energy body. Yes. And obviously... You know you can't live without this connection back to your body if you get untethered then you leave your body spirit leaves the spirit that in, inhabits the body could even be considered like uh if we consider this seraphim and then cherubim dichotomy that exists to also be the same as adam and eve and male and female and uh positive and negative and body and spirit then the you would associate the seraph side with spirit because without it in your body, your body gets cold. It's the fire side. So you need to have this connection back to the body to keep it warm at all times, even when you're kind of traveling out of body. <laughs> so how do we, how do we, do we have any way of like, um, Wrapping this up into an interesting conclusion because <laughs> I want to do this kind of thing more often, but my goal was mm-hmm. to do maybe shorter form I and mean, well, now we're in an hour and a half deep. So
1: yeah, yeah. Let's stop, Let's well, stop I, soon. Uh, just a couple thoughts that came to me while you were saying that. We're talking about that silver cord, the and we're talking about birth and having a birth certificate that determines your age. Well, A G is silver. It's the sign for silver. So uh, we're, uh, we're seeing some powerful correspondence there with that silver lining uh, being the proof of your age, which is actually hearsay. Um, but then I want to point out real quick that AU, which is the periodic symbol for gold, is reduces to a 1 and a 3.
0: Didn't know that. Red,
1: reduced ordinal.
0: Makes sense though. So, does that give us a little? We're one hour 30 minutes or 13 into this conversation.
1: <laughs> does that give us
0: another connection to Balderson's cosmology, galvanic electric egg yeah. orb universe theory cosmology, where we're looking at the son as the mother instead of the father? And of course, actually, so Ben, specific, not that Ben is gospel, right? But he said something that I've been thinking too, which is that really these luminaries are, they flip polarities. So when we're calling one the masculine and the feminine, that's not exact, it's really more like positive and negative. And that's part of the danger of correspondences is they're not exactly the same thing. <laughs> so just because like you can't go from male to female in this body doesn't mean maybe that uh, an object if you want to call it an object like the sun can't go from a positive to a negative polarity or gender in relation to its its function in the cell now in a way you can on a full-on like veil penetrating event as reincarnation you could reincarnate as a different as the other gender and maybe that's part of a larger cycle that we just don't have access to understanding
1: yeah however,
0: I just thought the AU gold, which is Sun, being thirteen and thirteen being M or Matter or Mother. Maybe that's a little clue of how we've been hit with the you know, the gender confusion on our solar and lunar deities by the it just keeps coming back to the Vatican, right? <laughs> non stop.
1: Big time bud. Yeah, I mean. This is just a weird side note, but I've I've had this thought about, you know, if the masculine is the has been the sacrificial, you know, warrior that has to go out and into the field of battle and do horrible things and experience horrible deaths, then it eventually has got to affect. If there is a reincarnation cycle, it's gonna, uh, and if we have any say so in the matter, uh, to some degree, you know. The desire to fulfill that role could be spiritually diminished over a prolonged period of time. Just a theory that I've always thought about. Uh, but yeah, the, the the masculine has not been rewarded historically. Uh, we'll just put it that way.
0: <laughs> you know, they also say silver is the gentleman's bullion. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah. Uh,
0: so that's interesting. And Melissa in the chat just dropped this fire telomeres being the silver ending to the chromosomes when the telomeres decline you get aging aging
1: i love that <laughs>
0: that's a pretty good one man hella good hella good super so good. so the tell chattel- like that. i gotta thank you all the things you're throwing in here are very helpful and interesting and distracting
1: Yes. <laughs> yes so Tella in teli in Hebrew is city and mirror makes me think of silver, reflective. So yeah, it's like a-
0: tele is also like teleological meet mm-hmm. like a uh, teleology is the study of how to derive meaning, like study for ultimate meaning. So even telomir. Yeah. You know, maybe we solve the mystery of aging by getting into the meaning of our reflection right and even m the mean meaning (laughs) is an m word so i don't know i think that makes sense though because the alchemical marriage within is said to be the unifying of those opposites within and one thing and i've always wondered like well how do you do that but i never (laughs) i never decided i'm gonna do it (laughs) In life, we often have this thing like, oh, I'll do that when I find out how. I'll do that when uh, it becomes easy or available. I'll take care of that later. And I have noticed that life is much more responsive to setting intentions, even if you don't fully know how that intention is going to be realized. So maybe you want to do this with me. (laughs) Wow, Wisdom Traders David, thank you. Age in Jewish Gematria is 13. But maybe, so, maybe this is a methodology of transcendence right here is the decision, the choice within of I'm going to do the alchemical marriage. I'm going to unite the inner masculine and feminine polarities. I'm going to do it. That is something I will do. And I'll figure it out. Instead of like mentally, my mind has been putting it off. Like, tell, well, that mystery will get solved by somebody else and then they'll tell me what it Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we need to make the choice that we're going to do it before reality opens up that level of the onion. That's all I'm thinking. I don't know, Mary, the thirteenth apostle. Damn, you guys are just nonstop with good stuff for the chat. Thank Ooh, you. So yeah. Yeah. Ooh,
1: yeah. I love That's that. It. That's true. I though. love that. Yes, and Dude. I, you know, and just one other kind of beautiful thing about associating the serpent with the with the feminine. Mary you know the feminine <laughs> i just thought of that right yeah the um the feminine you know with the menstruation cycle is uh is a shedding of skin and those you know the the ov- the ovaries or i guess the the uterus is shedding that skin on a regular basis yeah I just yep. pulled
0: this out of the deck, not knowing where it was. I just want you know, the thirteenth card. I just went, I'm going to pull out this yep. card. You, you didn't, you didn't see me searching in there, right? Like, <laughs> out
1: there. I pulled this out, right out of the yes. deck. Yes, and he's got the silver armor. Oh yeah, yeah. man. silver
0: on the flag. I had totally yeah. interrupted your flow with that. I just was feeling the hot hands, you know.
1: No, no, yeah. I just wanted to point out that you know the divine feminine and. The Serpent and the Shedding of Skin, and Ophiuchus being the 13th constellation. Um, and also, we've talked in the past about MK Mind Control and the castration cults and men becoming females. And one other point from that King uh, King Kill 33 with Shelby Downing, Shelby Downard.
0: James Shelby uh, Downard?
1: Yes. He points out that Jackie went to uh, the islands of the, uh, the, like the Ophantom cults, you know, the, the, those castration cults. And she, and she did a ceremony with allegedly Alistair Crowley out there on those islands. And just to bring it all full circle, the name, Jack, Jackie, Jacob, it means supplanter. And if anybody wants to take a minute and read Genesis, thirty four, I got,
0: Someone jacked my car.
1: Right. Yep. So take a minute, everybody. I highly recommend, read Genesis 34. It's a story about Jacob and his brothers putting together a very nefarious plot to supplant an entire city of people through a castration uh, trade agreement. And it's worth a read because a lot of that Old Testament is a tactical... Training for how to undermine entire civilizations, entire kingdoms, entire royal houses. There's a lot of strategy embedded into the stories of the Old Testament. And Genesis 34 is something should be fundamental to all of us. It's a big one. And it all goes back to Jacob and the supplanter and Jackie. Interesting, too. Uh,
0: 13 in the I Ching, which came up today in the divination this morning, is Mm -hmm. companionship. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of goes into the idea of learning from the mirror. Right? And then Mm -hmm. Melissa brought up... (laughs) Melissa's on fire with the chats. Does 13 have to do with castration? Pictographically turn 13 sideways and think about danglies. Yes, and (laughs) M is... (laughs) Just think, okay m mk ultra mickey mouse the mickey mouse club who who are the type of people in the mickey mouse club i may not be explaining this the best but the club is fire and the m pyre pyre means fire and uh the clubs in the suit of cars is the fire right and when yep. it's the wands the wands is like you're dangly too it's your, your man <laughs> wand it's the it's <laughs> yeah so when that <laughs> thing is removed it leaves a uh club looking scar yes i've never seen i've never looked it up i don't really want to know but can you yeah. see more we could say about like the club the mickey mouse club idea the uh this is tracy twyman stuff i think but really yep. important because we're talking about castration and that's
1: Yep, it still happens,
0: Still a thing. I think there's a lot of people you see on TV that are castrated as fuck.
1: Yeah, buddy. Yep. Yeah. The uh, biblical translation for the word officer, and there's your oaf, off, offaucus, off. They're taking off their sacrifice. So the biblical translation for officer is eunuch of the pharaoh, and the eunuchs were a very elite class because they had the ear, the the favor of the pharaoh they could pass a message on to the pharaoh because they were lived in the same house eunuchs the highest rank of eunuchs were trusted with watching over the harem of the pharaoh they were the uh chamber chamber of the pharaoh and yeah, so they're they
0: not had, gonna have to plant without anything to plant
1: you got it buddy yes yeah. so now just another quick fact, people can go look this up, but look at the, um, I guess you could call it the uh, Mercury's uh, orbital dance with Earth or the retrogrades of Mercury. And when you look at it, it's a, th- it's a three-clovered uh, flower. So it looks like a three-leaf clover. And that is the shape of the club that is the shape of the scar from castration. And what is Mercury always holding in his hand? He's holding a phallus. And there's your serpents. He's, it's removed from his where it belongs, and he's carrying it forward. And that is the message that the messenger is telling us.
0: And do we ever wonder, there's a couple of things here, but do we ever wonder why there's jacks in the deck of cards? Why is there a jack there with the royals? yes now jack Austin, it means supplanter that's one of the meanings it can also refer to just a man or a fellow or one who does odd or heavy jobs a jack of all trades right uh a tradesman but it can also mean a sailor to get us back to the idea of the noble naval connection and the navel is also your belly button, where this cord connects to the placenta, to your light body ship, possibly, your Merkaba. So the noble class, the navel class, <laughs> they've got a different connection to source, possibly. Now, now, uh, let's see, where were we? There was something else that is super important. Where? What were you just explaining? My mind is going way too fast, and I got caught up on Jack being a sailor.
1: <laughs> there is. There's so much here. Um, mercury and the scar... Of the castration is strangely identical to the orbital pattern of Mercury. And he's holding that the snakes, the serpents, the caduceus in his hand. And uh, he's the messenger. And I'll just throw this out real quick. Mercury is
0: 103. Thank you, David. Mercury nice. is 103 in, in ordinal. Damn. Sweet. Another fucking 13. And it starts with an M.
1: Damn. Sweet catch, man.
0: Yeah, I love this crowdsourcing thing. This is why we're doing this. I just wanted to talk about this stuff with no structure, and it's going great. Thanks, everybody.
1: We are blowing this up. Okay, so I got one more for everybody. This is great. I need
0: to. Okay, it'll just come back to me. There's something else that I totally lost that was super important.
1: About the jacks in the right before the jacks. I'm
0: uh, I'm ruining this by trying to think of it. So never mind. We'll wait.
1: That's okay. Well, so (laughs) I'm ruining everything. (laughs) <laughs> so
0: the, the yeah, i cyber- recognize the phallus in mercury's hand though that's very interesting
1: yes and so oh man there's so many places to go oh let's finish mercury so uh missy uh, frantic missy she brought up an incredible fact
0: that was on the Spider's welcome 60 yep i well, think saturday night
1: yes she brought up an incredible fact and I've never appreciated this uh, as thoroughly as when she mentioned it, because I knew about it, but I didn't catch this, this next level of meaning. She pointed out that eunuchs uh, uh, you, uh, you, required a feather quill inserted into their stub so that they could urinate. And that's called quilling, and that gives a whole new meaning to stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. The cap is his, his After the head, the head, the cap. And the messenger needs that quill, right, for, for writing to pass on the message. And what does Mercury have in his head, in his hat? He's got feathers and on his feet as well.
0: Yeah and this also connects us to the ser- symbolism of the serpent seraph thing because they're often depicted as feathered serpents. Right. And feathers and scales are not that different looking in in artistic depiction either. So it could be both. Yeah. And
1: then they
0: even tell uh, you in the mainstream joke science <laughs> about supposed dinosaurs that they turned into birds later. Okay.
1: <laughs> that's right. You're that's right. Hungry. Yeah. Uh, so the Statue of Liberty comes into the picture. SOL, that's Soul Invictus. And the Soul Invictus cult had much to do with chopping off the old pecker. And SOL, Statue of Liberty, that's not a lady. That's a dude. Look close. That's a that's dude. What's
0: interesting is if we get this switch, a... Uh, gender switch where the sun is really the feminine one which is in so many old cultures these are goddess cults that are asking for the castration which is common to other goddess cults of the past but they're cryptically goddess cults they're pretend they're you know they're hiding mary they're hiding maria
1: yes yeah that's a great point And that really leads into what, you know, you and Balderson were bringing forward with that gender inversion of the planetary significance of that seventh hermetic principle, you know, the seal. That
0: would be Mars, Maria, Mare, Mars would be the feminine. It would be the sun of that ring. If we're looking, okay, to back up for people, we're talking about in a cosmic egg, flat earth Cosmology, just speculative. Okay. No need to get attached to a model. That if our world is one ring and then there's a ring further out and a ring beyond that, and that we have a sun and moon, and the ring beyond us has a sun and moon, which would be Mars and Venus, and the ring beyond that has a sun and moon, which is Jupiter and Saturn, then if there is this gendering to the luminaries and our sun is, and the sun is. Oh, and this brought me back to the thing that I forgot about. This is perfect. Yes. Okay? This is a good, better time for it anyway. Okay. So <laughs> in this heathen cosmology, the masculine is the ice and the feminine is the fire, actually. Which totally flips our Western esotericism. But, and mar means ocean in most Mediterranean languages. Even in Japanese, mar is a root word for ocean. It's common, actually. Like they'll... Uh, you know how we put SS on a boat to refer to it being a boat? They, yeah. put, they call it the something something Maru. Maru. Mar is for the boat. Boats. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm going to get to this. The I'm going to finish the cosmic egg thing real quick. Okay, so Mars would be a feminine. It would be a sun. Venus would be a masculine. Venus is Lucifer. Lucifer is depicted as masculine a lot. Uh, Venus obviously is Aphrodite and Hermes and Aphrodite, hermaphrodite, right? So maybe they're all these luminaries are hermaphrodites of sorts, but they have a primary role or they have an alternative role, you could say that we're ignoring by making them just the one that Vatican gave us, the Western Occidental or <laughs> you know the classical Western canon the CNN gave us. Now, Mm -hmm. if the masculine is the ice, think about the, you know, the phallus. It is, whenever it's working correctly in the reproductive act, it's frozen, solid, if you will. And the feminine is the more flowing, fiery thing. So, I mean, it even makes sense in the generative act uh, to, to put these things together. So the off icer is cutting off his ice off icer his ice being his erection his genitalia the masculine yes so if if we consider the the heathen cosmology as accurate and that the masculine is the ice very interesting
1: yeah in another part of that ice is a being phallic and masculine protruding um you know the tip of the iceberg if you will um the i, I often think of the, the word ikor, and ikor is the blood of the gods and when you got a when you got the I, a, a wreck action, you have the ikor the Icor of the gods flowing through you um and uh, I just wanted to point out, Mar. You were talking about Mar, and that means to scar. When a thing is marred, you know. So if uh, if somebody gives up their their si- their oh, side, of- who
0: who who's the sacrifice again? It's the Lamb of God, the firstborn of the zodiac.
1: Aries, are. Aries, are, are Ruled by Mars. Mars, yeah. the first. There's that yeah. sacrificial first,
0: and it even we even see this linguistically in the fact that so uh, it's the more Aries is the morning of the zodiac. It's the dawn, right? Right, right. Morning, you're mourning wow. the firstborn who's been sacrificed, the sacrificial lamb, the morning, the yes. morning star, who is the male one, Venus, who's being sacrificed in this cult and made into the the demonic one the devil so now we see how not just has the feminine been corrupted and transformed into the, the evil one but cryptically the masculine has been under attack in our subconscious m- even possibly more than the i mean i don't want to say more both sides are getting fucked with but the masculine has been um held up as a golden as the golden child and the feminine as the scapegoat but really the masculine is the scapegoat too and masculine is getting sacrificed, maybe worse than the feminine in some senses, because it's not recognized as wrong. We're, we're still we're still in the West circumcising babies all the time. The moil even sucks the baby dick, and that's like it's okay somehow. Anyway, and then yeah. Icor, Icarus, where where does he fly towards the sun? To go back right. to kind of the you know connecting it to the phallus, if the sun is the feminine, and then Icarus is trying to get to it, and yep. uh, CIA equals thirteen. Wisdom traders, damn, Killing nice
1: CIA, yes, That's awesome,
0: yes, of course it is, of course it is, uh, interesting.
1: So I got one more random one. This is just a little joke I have, but you know Paracelsus is you know, he's a, a patriarch of the medical industry. The Medicis probably have a lot to say about that fella. but he was raised, his father in the village that they lived in. It was a mountain town that was like the only way to get through uh, between two major uh, countries. So everybody on the move had to go through this little village where he lived and his father was the, you know the shaman or the healer of that area. And the myth is, this is all myth, the facts are probably a whole other story, but the myth is that his father castrated him to protect him from the traveling uh, uh, travelers who would bring potentially uh, venereal diseases. And so that's a hell of a way to prevent venereal is to totally cut off the, the, the phallus of, of yes, yes yes and so yeah. he, another
0: humanization too is like that venereal is from oh, venal, which is the shit. same word as venus right a venerate yes. like, and uh, he's Sacrificed the deer for the meal the deer is nice. the venison right and venal uh, pleasures shit. are like bodily pleasures or like considered lower.
1: Right, and also the it's the main vein. <laughs> Penis is your main vein. <laughs> That's so interesting. So my joke, to get to my punchline, is uh, Paracelsus was also the godfather of holistic medicine. In In Twilight-speak, that term, holistic medicine, you could say Paracelsus had a whole less dick
0: Uh, i need a button on here that goes but i used to have it but i took it off for sound for tones but that would i should have kept it (laughs) i need that back yeah wow what does osiris's hidden phallus really represent we'll have to leave that chad dangling because i want to finish up
1: oh man I maybe, had some thoughts on that to, the other day.
0: We don't have to leave it dangling if you got some thoughts, but we'll maybe make this the the grand finale.
1: Okay. This is great. Chance, this has been so great. We have really put all of the information into one package, if you will, <laughs> for all the people.
0: Oh, man. Um, even Okay. The chat is so lit. Fallible. it's
1: <laughs> okay. Too good.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. Okay.
1: All right, here it goes. So this is just some of my crazy musing, and there may be a lot to what I'm about to say. And it has to do with what she just mentioned with the uh, Osiris' castration ritual. I believe that the Mississippi is actually the Nile, and that the entire mythology of Osiris being castrated and his body parts being thrown in 14 places throughout the world, and the one piece gone, has gone missing, was thrown into the Nile River. I believe the Mississippi is actually the Nile River. And the phallus, thank you, yes, yes, the Mississippi has been cut out of the Bible, the seven rivers of uh, Isaiah eleven fifteen. 15, Those seven rivers are the seven rivers of the Mississippi. The Nile does not have anything remotely close to that description. And so the phallus that got thrown... Goes
0: to the Gulf of Mexico, actually.
1: Goes to the Gulf of Mexico, which has a red tide. Regularly, it has a seasonal red tide. The water turns red as though a menstruation cycle or full of blood. And that penis that went floating down that stream... That penis is Florida. Florida is the phallus of Osiris.
0: And to go back to the fallible phallus, too. (laughs) I mean, what's the joke about Florida man? Boom. Florida man does this dumb thing and that thing. Florida man lame loser. It's all phallic.
1: And guess where Florida is in the territories? right on Scorpio, where Ophiuchus is. The cusp of Florida, uh, right there at Panacea, Florida, that is pointing right at the point of Ophiuchus in the I territories.
0: Gotta, I got to bring up these great comments from Wisdom Traders too. 12 is the number of lines that border a cube. The fact that the 12 are all connected in the center is the 13th. 13 is the number that bonds multiplicity into oneness. I was kind of getting into that with Metatron's cube, too. And I, I could agree with that, that we need that 13th to complete. It's, you know, Jesus is the 13 that the 12 disciples are around. That's the Christos within us requires us to integrate this part. And then he also put pointed out the Hebrew word Ahava. Ahava is love, has a numerical value of 13. And this is something like the reason why I'm studying Sabak isn't because I fully think that his thesis is 100% accurate in terms of like that everything about this symbolism it is referring to evil overlords. Maybe I need to talk to him. I want to hopefully soon. And maybe mm-hmm. he wouldn't go there. But because I, I want to start doing the research to see what linguistic connections to positive concepts we could link back to the. You know the serpent, yeah. Because I I do think that all of the symbolism is neutral in nature. Like right. serpent isn't evil or good; it is what it is. It depends on where you're at. You know, if you're its prey, maybe. But mm-hmm. afa is a viper or a serpent in Hebrew, and Ahava sounds a lot like Afa. It's not that far off. You know, Pierre Sabak makes bigger stretches than that. So yeah. Holy shit, that book is like 230 book bucks. What book is that? That's 230 bucks. If you're looking on Amazon for Pierre Sabak books, don't go to his website directly. Buy it from him directly. It'll be a, yeah. a reasonable, normal ass price. He just yeah. doesn't sell to those big distributors, which is cool. But okay, yeah, yeah. okay.
1: Do so we do I, it? We're two hours deep. Yeah, <laughs> can buddy, I yeah. can we can we park this train? I think Isn't we possible? can. You know, I the first few minutes of your presentation. You might have already mentioned it, but there it was barely are... Thir-
0: presentation. I was just floundering up here until you came on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's 13 knuckles on the back of your hand. And that's another thing to uh, just kind of bring the sacred geometry home. Connected to, to the, the
0: alphabet, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in that aspect, you know, knowing something like the back of your hand is a roundabout, beautiful way of, you know, having familiarity with that number 13. And, you know, you could say it has to do with the Kundalini, you know, and uh, uh, building up the Kundalini.
0: Phallus phalanges. Thanks, Melissa. Now, phalanges, by the way, people mistake that to mean fingers, but it's actually the segments of your finger that are separated by the knuckles. So even the word phalanges is getting us into the idea of the 13 knuckles too. So that's interesting. All right. Yeah. Hey, Gabriel, thanks for coming on with me. Right on chance. Click dissident on YouTube. That was fun. <laughs> definitely, that was so fun. Definitely would have been much shorter if I was alone, but a uh, surprise podcast, everybody. I'm just feeling it. So we did it. I'm going to see if I can do more off the cuff content like this. Oh, you know what? The last thing that I didn't screen share is the Ophiuchus symbol. Nice. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, who made up this symbol? Has this always been a thing? I'd want to do more research. But like you pointed out, it remi- or maybe you didn't point it out, but someone pointed out that it reminds us of the wave that we do on Weaving Spiders Welcome. <laughs> it sure and does. That, that uh, U-shape is kind of phallic too, or like a vessel. Yeah, uh, a, bowl, a bowl or a cup, right? Yeah. And, uh, that connects to the ophenum, which are related to vessels and baskets. Ophenum, yeah. ophiuchus. All right. Well, we yeah. cracked into some interesting questions here and there's a lot more uh, to research about this and we'll do what we can, but thanks everyone for hanging out.
1: Yeah, uh, my- I love
0: that we all hung out and Jayla says she didn't get an alert from YouTube. That's because YouTube doesn't really like what we do here they don't really want you to watch people like this (laughs) yeah pharaoh is connected to all this ashton vanguard pharaoh is big time to the idea but yeah thanks for the fun thoughts man we will do it again you know and we talked about me and mark on my family thinks i'm crazy we talked about you today so that'll be on an upcoming episode
1: hey sweet
0: (laughs) all right Oh, I'm sorry for that loud noise. <laughs> oh God! Now I just want to read everything in the chat out loud. Verse thirteen <laughs> of the Tao Te Ching: One who sees himself, one who sees himself as everything is fit to be guardian of the world. One who loves himself as everyone is fit to be teacher of the world. Verse thirteen, mm. Tao Te Ching. Mm. Companionship, thirteen of the I Ching, too, where the companions are identical. Man. I love it. Hey, that's good to remember though. All itself, we're all the same spirit of God animating this matter. And if we start acting like it, things are going to get really cool up in here. (laughs) That's what's up. Good night, everybody. Good night, Gabriel. Thanks, buddy. Good,
1: Good night, Chance. Good night, everyone. Much love. Peace and strength.